This is Why Change, the podcast for a creative generation. We are your hosts. I'm Jeff. Hola, hola. Soy Carla. It's Rachel here. What's good, y'all? I'm Ashraf. And I'm Madeline. Why Change is a podcast that brings listeners around the globe to learn how arts, culture, and creativity, especially as applied by young people, can change the world, one community at a time. You're invited each week to learn and laugh while exploring the question, why change? All right, let's get started. Welcome to this season finale of season two of the Why Change podcast. Jeff here with all of our fantastic co-hosts tuning in synchronously from all around the world. I'm coming to you from my hometown, home for the holidays in Portland, Maine, in the United States, and it's really to really good to be here with everybody. Hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we go around and hear where everyone is calling in from today? I'll go ahead. This is Carla Estela Rivera um, calling in from the great city of Chicago on a very cold and gray day. Hello, I am Madeline McGurk. I'm calling in from my freezing cold flat in Edinburgh in Scotland. Hey everybody, Ashraf here calling in from Seattle, Washington, USA. Happy to be here. Hi everyone, it's Rachel Jacobs. I'm here on beautiful Darug and Darug countries where sovereignty was never ceded and it's shaping up to be a steamy, steamy day in the middle of our summer. So hello, everyone from so-called Australia. It is wonderful to have everyone here. We were joking before we got on recording that it's about twice a year that we all come together on one call and in our different time zones. So even just viewing the different levels of sunlight and seasonality, Ashraf's wearing a, a beanie hat, Rachel has windows open, you know, we are uh, representing all around the globe here today. But we're here to talk about the end of season two, which was a really wild ride that we've been on together, thinking about lots of big ideas, upcoming challenges, and the ever-present question of why change. So I'd love to hear from everybody. What are your big reflections on the year? What are those moments that stuck with you? What have you been left pondering? What is giving you the charge to move into 2023? Well, I will get started for us. Um, (laughs) I am, um, boy, this whole season has been kind of wild. I was twice live with you, Jeff, at the Art Schools Network Conference in Vegas recently, and then further earlier in the year at the Colorado Music Educators Association Conference. And between those, got to interview some awesome folks in community one what what uh, i do remember though was the last few conversations i had with funders um those funders of color who have been really disrupting the field um in the way that they have been angelique power of the skillman foundation jonathan cunningham of the seattle foundation celeste smith of the pittsburgh foundation and darren Esam, um who does some consulting work as well um it has been quite a wild ride i'm excited to reflect on that with you all and and what we're going to get into next year what about you carla how have you been what you been up to i've been good just up to a couple three things um you know this has been a really great year and i think for me i think similar to philanthropy just thinking about systems right and how systems impact 
how things are going today, how, you know, services are delivered, either, you know, through our education services with young people or um, how, you know, the arts can impact both philanthropy, you know, thinking about my conversation with um, Lisette Garza from the Crossroads Fund and how the work at Crossroads and how her own upbringing in Pilsen really informs how that funding gets gets done and the kind of, you know, ideology that um, she and, and, and that foundation bring to the work that they do and who they fund. Or to Rosana Rodriguez Sanchez, who, you know, was an artist and, and married um, political and activist work with artistic vision and is now um, on, sitting on city council in Chicago's 33rd Ward. Um, actually, is that the 33rd Ward? Yes, it is. It's the 33rd Ward. Um, so, you know, those things are really incredible. Um, so, you know, just thinking about Marissa Reyes in Arkansas and, you know, in my brain going, who would want to leave Chicago to go to Arkansas? But um, in talking about what she does, and, and she talks really eloquently and beautifully about um, a citizenship ceremony that they actually did there, and the We the People exhibit being a place that, um, in a place that is so probably charged pol politically in many ways, that can be a touch point for multiple generations to learn. So, um, the way that systems play in all of that is really interesting to me. And I loved having all of those conversations. What about you, Rachel? Uh, when you, um, you know, you're talking, uh, talking about someone who's such a change maker that gets elected, that kind of speaks to me, Carla. So thank you so much uh, for bringing that into the conversation. Um, uh, why change? That question of why change has been weighing really heavily on me um, this year for some reasons I'll reflect upon a bit later, but I've had some amazing conversations. I think one that sticks out in my head is with Amy Claire Mills, who is a disability activist and artist and also a woman with um, chronic illness and who is navigating what here in Australia is really unfamiliar territory sadly and shamefully for the arts community um, and is bringing about this greater awareness of how we need to center disabled voices how we need to center neurodivergence how we need to um, really shift our thinking from this really ableist way of viewing the world um, and that was just a really fantastic conversation and that you know, all my conversations this year have tied together under this theme of creative justice with Jeff and I got to talk to my friend and colleague, Michael Finneran, who um, we're looking at thrashing out that as a concept, what is creative justice and how can that frame a lot of the conversations that we have? How can it also provide some structure around um, you know, the kind of ethics in which we operate in and things like that. And we're looking at furthering that conversation um, to building a centre for creative justice, which is really, really exciting. We might get to that a bit later. Madeline, over to you. Thank you. God, I love listening to everyone's different take on change, right? Because so I spoke to Hen, uh, Simon and Carrie this season, and they are all teaching artists who've made the most fabulous change in their communities in these sort of vastly different ways. And I think what really struck me from it all was 
this we have, there's this perception I think that there is a way to make change and that we need to learn that and we need to know the right people and then go and meet them and then do a specific set of steps to make change happen and I think what struck me about these three people specifically was how much they are not doing that they are using their creative agency and their community engagement abilities and all the skills that they have as teaching artists to come at it from just wildly different ways they're usually very community-centered and community-led. And I think that approach to the change and that kind of not needing permission and doing your own thing and just trusting and recognizing the impact that's inherent in that is so interesting to me because it's so not how we tend to think traditionally about systems change. But visually and viscerally, we just see that as being effective and knowing that. So... I think those different strands and how they all connect is just endlessly cool to me. And so I've been kind of mulling that over all season. Yeah, Madeline, I've also been mulling over that same concept. And I think my big takeaway actually doesn't have to do with any specific interview that I did or conversation that we had, or even listening to all of yours, but instead was actually about the practice of, of this type of activity, of talking to folks who are our peers that share a common set of values or beliefs about the world and discuss the multitude of different perspectives or actions that can be taken in order to drive that change. And I think what I end this season with is a really firm and reaffirmed belief that Having these conversations is absolutely essential in our work, no matter what our job title is, no matter what um, we do, be it as a you know university uh, professor, Rachel, or as an organizational leader, Carla, or as someone who is giving out <laughs> public dollars, Ostroff, or as a conduit for connecting networks of people, Madeline, that we owe it to ourselves to have those peer-to-peer -peer dialogues that we can learn from each other. So I think I don't know, maybe this is more well-placed for the end of the episode, but a call to action for all of our listeners of like, do this same practice in your community. Who are the people you want to connect with? Who are those, those folks that you've maybe read their op-ed in the newspaper or their um, white paper or, or listened to their music or seen their show or viewed their artwork that you want to connect with? Because I think that can fuel so much in us. And, and what is fueled in me as maybe a transition to some of those further reflections is that literally anything is possible when we put our mind to it. And we've heard these stories of people absolutely upending systems, reimagining um, practices, fully changing perceptions of people. Madeline, I think of Hanalan's work literally at the border between Israel and Palestine and changing the perspectives of people in that moment using theater to the really broad, um, broad scale work, Carla, that you were talking about with some of your guests that are looking at public policy and large scale um, public will change. I think there's so much that is possible and can be possible, but oftentimes we think is not. And I think, I hope that season two can be a conduit for the type of inspiration we all need 
um, to take forward. So that's what I, I can't stop thinking about when I think about season two. Uh, so I'm curious, what are you all stuck with? What are you wondering? What's still pondering in your head? What is the learning that you have continued since your conversations? Are there any nuggets of wisdom that we should highlight here at the end of season two? Yeah, I, I think um, your call to, for everybody to have this conversation in their own communities, in their own ways, I think is is really special, Jeff. And, and thanks for bringing that to the table because that really resonated for me. I guess the takeaway for me in terms of why change in season two would be that I got to interview some incredible people. And uh, one of the people I didn't mention previously was Jess Harwood, who is a climate activist and a campaigner who is using her art to create change um, all over the internet and in our media and things like that. Both her and Amy started with what they considered to be small and humble steps of them just creating their work and um, speaking their truth to power. And they never imagined the way that it would have snowballed to create being change makers. And I think for me as an artist, I'm often looking for that big bang and thinking, God, when is the revolution happening? People, when is this happening? What, what's going on? Um, and always going, is it enough? Am I doing enough? Um, there seems to be like there's so much to do and it's often so exhausting. And then I listen to some of the conversations that um, all of us have had and I think that you never know where the ripple is going to end up, that you you have no idea that, you know, the smallest flap of a butterfly's wings can reach the world and even if it changes one person's heart or minds, that ripple effect goes way beyond what we can ever imagine that's something that has really really been brought home to me is everyone don't worry about the scale uh don't worry about how much change you're making is the fact that change is happening that is kind of you know the the gold nugget and what's you know what is interesting about what you're saying Rachel and and what I'm thinking a lot about too is that we are you know albeit slowly and and in different paces also coming out of this pandemic um you know some you know in in very you know specific and measured ways others are just kind of moving in full force um but you know within these conversations and conversations i'm having in the field um arts administrators of color network we just recently had our annual convening in washington dc you know the thing that i'm hearing a lot particularly from arts leaders and folks across the sector um is this need for connectedness because so many of the people that we are talking to are folks that maybe are part of collectives, but are quite often um, siloed, doing things by themselves, are that one person department, or, um, you know, you know, or, or are kind of carrying the banner of justice and, you know, whether that's racial justice or whether that is economic justice or environmental justice, um, Often they're like folks like us here in, in our respective rooms, even though we are across the world and we're brought together through Zoom, are often um, doing these things and, and thinking about these things by themselves and that the power of the conversation is how that reverberates. 
And so um, if we cannot be in person or will not be in person for the reasons that, you know, so many folks have, you know, I think what this podcast and, and, and what these conversations have done has really allowed folks to be reminded that they're not alone in this work. And that to me is such an important and beautiful takeaway that we do need to continue to have these conversations so that they can connect also, um, they can hear themselves and be affirmed in the work, but then also how are we also then connecting with each other across the world so that eventually there, there can be these in-person moments, there can be greater collaboration and there can be a lot of co-learning that happens across the world. Madeline, this sounds very familiar to the conversations we were all having in Oslo. <laughs> yes, I know. God, doesn't that feel ages ago already? So obviously the, a lot of my episodes happened in the first half of this year because the second half was completely taken up for me with Attack 6 and with conference and finally being together in person in a room with people. Um, and it was phenomenal. But the I think one of the things that I'm taking from the conference, but also from the chats I had in that first half of the year um, to do with this ripple effect that you guys are talking about was the commonalities and the themes of persistence, but also resistance and the way that different identities enhance and really feed that. And I think whether it's Simon with establishing the National Theatre here in Scotland, because it's different in Scotland than it is in England or other parts of the UK, we have our own identity and that needed recognised. Or whether it's Ren and doing combatants for peace and how identity in that space can inform that theatre of the oppressed approach um, and all of those different things and how persistence to resist what exists now because you know there can be better and there can be more. And just that act of defiance or of insistence that you need better can totally ripple and create something new. And then meeting and talking to these people who have lived and done that, you know, at scale has been so exciting to me because coming out of the pandemic and that sort of, oh my God, the world's broken, what are we going to do? And then you talk to like these people and you're, okay, humans are, we can do this. We can just do this. And I always feel so much lighter after those chats and listening to some of the others I had the exact same experience where you go okay it's not just me alone in a room there are other people there is a movement and we're part of it and we just do what we can do but together it adds up to something and that feels really exciting to me and came out in spades at attack six too but those conversations I think really I felt that in a big way Awesome. Um, I'm just going to jump in. This is incredible. Um, I love this metaphor of the ripple effects um, and the way that you've all touched on it. Um, I call I talk about it as like dominoes falling and you don't even know where they're going to go next. Right. And um, and part of what I heard from what y'all talked and one thing that, that stayed with me this year is the identities that we all bring to this work and how it informs what we do and how we do it. Um, and that that is and has to be unique to all of us, and specifically folks who've um, folks in the global majority, folks of color, folks who have experienced oppression, whether that is through intergenerational trauma or their own experiences, um, how that makes us more rich and more um, just more fuller leaders, fuller people, folks who have the perspectives that can get us through 
uh, times where we don't know what to do. Um, those are the type of conversations that I was happy to have with Darren Esam and Jonathan and Celeste um, and even Terry Morgan um, earlier in the year. Uh, tons of opportunities to talk about what each of those folks bring to their work how they were informed by things that um, they didn't know were going to be huge influences on them and yet uh, completely were right with terry morgan it was um it was in punk punk clubs right um and with somebody like nick duarte was discovering um the, that a museum is simply a conduit to the community um and with darren it's it's starting his own body of work that is really exploring what people of color bring to the work that they do and how um that just has to be uh more deep more rich more um just more affirming than anything else and that really affects the color the texture the shape of the work that we do and and how um we all actually have inroads to, to this work we all deserve to be wherever we are and whatever we're bringing to it actually is what needs to be brought to it in the first place um and then that there there comes the the ripples from there right you know ashra what's really interesting is as I'm listening to your reflection just now about the taking of chances and looking around this room, I realize that's kind of the origin story of at least my relationship with everyone here. It was someone who said, hey, you should meet this person, Carla, Madeline, Ashraf, Rachel. Um, I think Carla, it was in Chicago, you had just started a new job and someone said, you got to meet. Madeline, it was our mutual uh, friend and mentor-esque leader, Eric Booth, who said, hey, you're both going to be in Germany. Why don't you go grab a glass of wine? Same thing, actually. Rachel, also in Germany, glass of wine. And then Ashraf, you know, it was our, our other friend um, through a different organization that we're both affiliated with that said, there's this guy out in Seattle, like he needs to join this group, give him a call. And now here we are, you know, almost five, 10 years later in some circumstances. And I think that to my earlier point, it is that taking of a chance, right? It can be so daunting in this world of work and things that need to get done and all of the different opportunities that present themselves can be overwhelming, but taking the chance on some is really kind of how we end up doing the, the most exciting work. And I'm just I don't know. I'm so glad to have you all in my life on this podcast and be sitting here in this room. Um, that's just a nice little moment to to reflect on. But we are bringing season two to a close, and I know it is the end of the calendar year and the end of this episode. So to close us out for season two of the Why Change podcast, I thought it might be fun to go back to our little podcast mission statement, which is to envision new creative futures by exploring the question, why change? So I wanna invite everybody to finish the sentence. To envision a new creative future, we must dot, dot, dot. What do y'all think? I actually think I have an answer to this, believe it or not. So to envision creative futures, we must accept that change is inevitable. It's not a why change, it's a constant and that it's, then the question becomes, what do we want the change to look like? And what are we going to do to make sure we make we shape that and we produce that? And I think that feels like a really exciting prompt to me, 
um, so many of the people that I spoke to in the podcast, when I asked that question at the end, they all, the wise ones always say, change is inevitable. It's not why change, it's how to change. How do we want to change? And I think that feels like a really cool question, given the conversations we've all been having. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, one thing I heard in that and something that resonates with me too is um, to envision a new creative future, we must be vulnerable. We must be willing to 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 just be ourselves and and stay there. And that should be the um, the thing that 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 grounds us the most, right? Listening, reflecting, and being vulnerable um, is something that I heard throughout my uh, my interviews this year. And that's something that, like you said, Madeline, the last few questions that we always ask, um, one that. Um, was very similar to the one that I answered in my first episode of Why Change was one that Angelique Power mentioned. She said um, she's um, the most comfortable in spaces where she is uh, actually the least comfortable, if that makes any sense. Like um, where you're forced to be yourself, where you're forced to be you and all you, um, that's where 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 comfort lies. And um, I just I sort of sit with that, and to that what what that means to me is is the vulnerability and and being being one with yourself, right? Um, yeah. I was gonna say discomfort, and it's true. Um, I think mean, it's not only being comfortable with being uncomfortable, but also um, accepting that change means that at the end of a particular road, well, one, I think change is always constant. So there really isn't necessarily an end point, um, but that every iteration of change means it's different from how it started. And so as we're thinking about the new year and we're thinking about, um, you know, all of the times that we're in, you know, de you know, depending on where you sit in the world, um, I think that, you know, we have a lot of folks that want to roll things back to how they used to be, but things are wildly not how they used to be and they will never be how they how they used to be. So to envision a new creative future, we must be uncomfortable with not being prescriptive of what that future looks like, because all of us collectively have had our world's turned upside down and we've been forced to reimagine. Um, and, and so let us be comfortable in that reimagining and continue to do that. So I'm really excited to see who's still doing that out in the world and, and, and bring some light to them. To envisage a new creative future for me, um, living here, I guess, on stolen land in the context of this rapidly changing world, I think that we definitely have to stop and listen to each other, that it's got to be an exercise that's framed around recognising what power you have and that you have power to create change. But what can you do to cede that power to others, um, to make space, to give over space and to create that space so beautiful new things can happen. And I think what we've seen this year is that people are so ready and willing in good spaces to do that I honestly find it so inspiring I find it so exciting that so many people are ready to do this again face to face in person 
they want to return to some of the best things about the world that we lost before COVID. And I, I guess it just feels like a really exciting time. You know, y'all, I think in having this conversation here today, I've sort of had a breakthrough, which is a little bit of the why of why we have the Why Change podcast. So I think my answer to the prompt is to envision a new creative future, we must have the conversation. I think if we don't have the conversation, we don't have the compass. We don't know the direction. We're not all working in concert together. And that's a thing that has come out of this podcast over the last two years. There's more connections. There's more ideas exchanged. There's more actions that are taken. And that is something truly to celebrate. And, you know, at Creative Generation, we talk a lot about our values forward approach. And one of those that I'll just leave everyone with today is inspiring joy. And I think that's something that's embedded in everything that we do. We have these conversations. We do exchange those ideas. We do try to figure out what exactly happened and how we might replicate it. But in the end, it's that human connection and it's the joy that comes out of this work. This change work is hard, but it is joyous. And I so enjoy, that joke, I enjoy being on this podcast with all of you, but I'm also so thankful for the many conversations that have occurred in this space to all of our contributors, interviewees, the editors, the music makers, everyone that puts it together. We have... Uh, created something really cool and I'm I'm thank thankful uh, for it. So thank you all so much for being here. Thank you listening audience for tuning in to our season finale of season two of the Why Change podcast. We'll talk to you all in the new year. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Why Change, the podcast for a creative generation. All sources discussed in this episode are located in the show notes. If you haven't already, be sure to follow us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Also, you can write us at info at creative-generation.org. We would love to hear your ideas, the topics you want to learn about, and why change matters to you. This episode was produced by me, Jeff M. Poulin. Our artwork is by Bridget Woodbury. Our editor is Katie Rainey. The podcast theme music is by Distant Cousins. A special thanks to our contributors, co-hosts, and the team at Creative Generation for their support.